wow, this is, maybe we should do this more often. This is a, this, don't, don't push it, okay. Well, the scripture is quick to say that whom much is given, much is required. We've been given much, haven't we, church? So uh, that's right. Let's just thank the Lord for what he's doing right now. Lord, we bless you. Uh, it's been a long time that this preacher could not pray because people were still coming to give. Uh, hey, we'll take watches, car titles, anything you want for the church. Uh, with the RMT, would y'all get over here on the side and receive that? No, here we go. Let's pray. God bless you, brother. Lord, we uh, bless these gifts. They represent our labor. And we labor unto Jesus. And we bless one of our brothers in Christ, redeemed by the blood of Jesus. Lord, bless Keith and Sandy. God, we pray that you would multiply these gifts. You would encourage the givers. And you would bless the recipient in mighty ways. And God's people said, amen. Hey, guys, if y'all come and get this uh, out of here. And uh, who knows? That's awesome, isn't it? Okay, wow, we, we've had a full service already, already. Praise, worship, prayer. We get, had two offerings. For, that's right. We're going to have a, uh, and uh, some of you are like, wow, I'm just visiting this church. I'm going to just sit on my wallet a little bit longer, man. He's going to ask me for my shirt next. How'd you guess, man? We, we have a closed closet here. No, I'm just kidding. Although, we went to the biscuit scan the other night. Be out there without a shirt on. It sounded very appealing, but my wife assures me, keep your shirt on. Okay. I'm not buff like I used to be. And uh, anyway, uh, age does an amazing thing, doesn't it? Okay. Well, this morning, I, we want to get into this new series called Liquid Money. So get your worship guide. Turn it to the back side. That's a place for keeping your notes. And uh, writing, a lot of you do this. You buy the series. You, uh, you listen. You write. You're encouraged, I hope, in your journey. As I was doing some study, you know, we, we talk about crowds and, and different things. And we gather and we assemble and... Uh, so I was thinking, you know, when a, when a group of rhino, when they gather, <laughs> this shows you how demented my mind is, when a group of rhino get together to go to the trough or to go to the water or whatever, and they gather, what do they call a band of brothers? You know what they call them? A crash. <laughs> I thought that was interesting. Rhinos are known as, there's a crash of rhinos. And that's very fitting if you know what a rhino is. I was doing a little study on rhinos, and a rhino runs at 30 miles per hour. That is amazing when you think about how ugly, I mean, how big and enormous that animal is. But it only has a, a, an eyesight of about 30 foot. So I'm, I'm amazed when a rhino comes running hard, it what? It crashes. Here's the opening illustration. Some of us in this room, I, I don't preach a lot of money. I've probably done 12, 13 messages, 14 messages, and almost 600 on money. Uh, I will work in a little stewardship thing for about two minutes. Preachers are just known to do that. But, uh, but Jesus wants me to talk about money because God talked a lot about money. He knew that's where our treasure and our heart was. So over a year ago, I did a stewardship campaign. And, and let me tell you, I understood we were going to have more guests today than usual. And I thought, God, I mean, you, you know, we're going to have an awesome time. And I'm going to be talking about stewardship. And I know they're going to go, wow, we just can't wait to go back and hear more. But you know what the Lord let me know? He is Lord, and I am not. He said, preach my word in season and out of season. Amen? So this morning, I make no apologies about preaching the word of the living Christ. And some of you might be here today, you're an old-timer, you've heard me, and every time I say money, you go, I just checked out. I was with you in the service. I've been with you all morning. I've been with Adam. I've been with the team. I've been with the Lord. I even encountered him a little while ago. We'll encounter him now through a time of the Word and through the Christ. Um, there's a passage on the top of your worship guide. Look there with me. It's from Ecclesiastes. There, there's a, a, a good word here. 
And uh, it says this, whoever loves money never has money enough. Whoever loves wealth is never satisfied with his income. This too is meaningless. See, it's the love of money is the root of evil. Money is not inherently wicked. Money is a good thing. And we, we all say, and we would all say, whew, we all sound good with this kind of crowd. Amen. I like that. That'll make me drive off the road just excited about it. But, you know, money money's good and it's used for good purposes. And sometimes it's used for kingdom purposes, such as when we took an offering of tithes this morning. And it's when we gave a free will offering. I mean, it, it's a good thing. But when we fall in love, when we become obsessed with money and we begin to chase money, we begin to compromise our values and our convictions, and we begin to do that which is less than legal. It's called illegal. You, Some people go to prison. Hello? That's not a good thing. And sometimes we don't handle money. Maybe we handle it pretty well. We think that we don't handle it when it comes to God. So I want to talk about five crash zones to borrow from the word crash of the rhinos this morning. These are five areas that I find Christians and non-Christians crash in all the time. So I thought, I'm going to speak about this. So here's number one. Hang with me. The first one is, believing the church only wants my money. Some of you already said, I knew it. I knew it. I knew it. You've been inviting me to go to church, and I knew that preachers going to talk about money. That's all they ever talk about. And this church said, uh-uh. I talk about a lot, don't a church? I preach the full counsel of God. But see, if you give this morning, you're sitting over going, I put a 20 in there. Well, if, if, you know, if you make just a little bit of money, that's okay. And some of you are like, I tithe. I, I super the t- I supersize the tithe. And some of you are like, man, I'm just guilty as charged. And I hate it when he says this. If he'd have just put a little email out that says, I'm preaching on stewardship, we'll stay home for the month. Well, that's like me preaching on that sin that you don't like, and that sin will find you out. Hello? You see, you're saying, well, I mean, in Korea, it's an amazing thing. In Korea and other countries, they have walls in the back of the church, and you can go up and you can put out anybody's given statement in your church, and you can look at how much or how little they give it. That would be a cool thing in America. I would love it because I'm not ashamed. I mean, this is something I started 30 years ago almost. I love to give to the cause of Jesus Christ. God is disciplined. He's given me joy in that and my wife and our kids. And some of you are like, well, I'm there. I'm with you, pastor. Some of you are going, I ain't there. Where's that wall going to be? We're not going to have that wall. Somehow I'd have a lawsuit out here if we did that. But... uh, but some of you are like, well, good. So we'll just put it on the screen. So next is going to be our statements of our members that have given this year for 2007. Could, could y'all hit that? I'm just kidding. Some of you are like, whoa, man. It's like, man, I really like that church. We're going to have to leave. No, you just got to step up to the plate. That's what we call it around here. To borrow from the Barry Bonds analogy. Okay, oh, did you know that? He hit 756. Okay, let's go back to the message. I knew I'd get it in there somehow. But somehow people are offended by money. Some are, some aren't. But the Word of God speaks about it. And when it does, uh, it's okay. It's like we need to get the, the numbers right. There's a, uh, we, we call it Sudoku, but Sudoku. Hey, are you familiar with the Sudoku puzzles? Raise your hands if you've done those. They're extremely addictive. A few years ago, Donna started doing it, and she got Rachel and Hannah, and they finally said, well, Dad, you need to participate too. So they got me a book. And I, I, I mean, we were like this nerd club for a little season. Everybody, and I meant to bring it, we, we would all sit on the couch in the chairs and we all be going, doing our little numbers. I'm like, what has happened to us? I mean, we were like obsessed. I thought, we're going to grow into our golden years and we're going to sit around and do Sudoku puzzles. And I'm thinking, 
you know, CSI is a lot more interesting than Sudoku, but, you know, but we'll, we'll do it. Okay, you know, at least you don't have to change the channel at any point. I mean, there's nothing simple about Sudoku. But here, here's a premise. You have to get the numbers right for it to work out. Some of you have got a financial puzzle in your life, and your numbers never come out right. You always put in the wrong numbers. You don't deal with the numbers you've gotten. I remember one time I was doing premarital counseling. This was hilarious. I was meeting with this guy, and you know, he was a young guy, and he was married to a young girl, and they didn't come from money, so I knew their income. I kind of had an idea what their income was. And, and so I asked them to do budgets because I, I want to help them because that's the number one reason for divorce is financial issues. So we sat down, and, we were doing, and, and this guy gave me these numbers, and, and I was thinking, I think I want to get a part-time job what he's doing. This is really good. I said, man, your numbers are incredible. Man, you're 22 years old. I like it. And he made a comment that's only been made once. He says, no, those aren't the real numbers. Those are the numbers I would like to live with. Oh, I would do. I'd like to live with a million dollars, too. I'd like to have a couple of baseball players sign multi-million dollar contracts and go, Christ community is my church. We want to give there. But that ain't, that ain't a reality yet, okay? So maybe we need to introduce ourselves more to the biscuits, Barry. But anyway, but as they get in the contracts. But, but as we look at it, you've got to deal with the numbers you've got. We've all got different numbers in this room, and we know what the numbers are. No, let me say this. Some of us know what the numbers are. Some of you have no clue. You could ask you, how much do you make? You go, I don't know. I'll give it to her and she spends it. Now, that's not fair. Or you go, I give it to him and he spends it or I hide it or it's my money. It's, no, it's, it's together y'all share that. But you gotta, you got to start with the right numbers. And see, God's got a whole premise. And in this series, we'll talk about the tithe. The tithe is 10%. I mean, it's, just, it's all God's, but right off the top, that's God's. And if we never put God's in there, the numbers never come out right. See, people always tell me, well, I don't tithe. I go, well, why not? They go, well... It never adds up. Well, let me tell you how to invert the pyramid today. Put your tithe, number one, as first fruit, and then work your numbers the other way. Buy your house and your cars and your entertainment based after you give the Lord his tithe. And the church said, that's the way it works. It's called God's math. It works. Don and I here declare that Jesus Christ is faithful to his word forever. I was a little weaker. Amen. Some of you believe that. Some of you are like, I knew it. He's going to talk about money. He just wants it. No, I don't want your money. God wants your heart. But when God gets your heart, the money begins to flow. And I will assure you, it takes finances to operate the kingdom of God and to operate the church. The power company this month is not going to go. You know what? We were riding down the road. And y'all are such a nice church. We're going to suspend it. And the bank didn't call me last week. He says, you know what? That mortgage payment y'all make, it's Jubilee, brother. Let's cancel it. Oh, God, love, I man, I'd love them. I would probably go in there and kiss one of them if, if, if he just canceled our debt. Yeah, whatever. At your house, do you ever get a note that says your payments have been suspended? It's paid in full. No. They say pay me or pay me a late fee. Okay. So, and, and let me just say this quickly. You look at our facility, you see that we basically built a very modest building because we wanted to make missions a priority in our church. So we could have built a lot more building, but we said, God, we want to be faithful to you. Does that mean we want to add on and build a children's theater and add on and expand and do things? Absolutely, to the glory of Jesus Christ. But we want to be a good steward. I'm inviting you to be a good steward because we want to reach the next generation. Now, there's practical teachings. But let me tell you, just write this down. Every time me or a radio preacher or whoever speaks on money, Satan will use that as an opportunity to offend you. And this morning I'm saying lay your offense down at the cross of Jesus. Don't be offended because I spoke about money. It's just part of God's Word. Gary Smalley's book, 
He's written a new one. It's the best one I've ever read on marriage. It's called The DNA of Relationships. He learned all this research from his son. And in there, once again, he affirmed what I already knew. The number one reason, excuse for people filing divorce is financial reasons. People can't get it together. They can't get the numbers right. Billy Graham, I like what he said. He says, an attitude toward money gotten straight will straighten out all the other problems in your life. If we begin to get that attitude right, we begin to say, Lord, I want to entertain the attitude that you have. I, w- I, want, to, I want to do the thing that you have for me. Now, let me, let's go to point two. Look at it. Believing that if I earn more and have more, I can be in control of my life. Somehow, if, if, if I just work harder, if I just get a promotion or more education or I, I'm at the right place at the right time and I earn more and, I, and my income goes up, then I'm in control. I'm the CEO of my life. Well, you could be for a season, but that's not the way God set it up. Now, I will tell you, we get a pay increase and we're very, very, we're very what? Oh, somebody went. Very sad. Well, then just send it to our house. Send it to the church. I mean, if, if, if your employer tomorrow or you go to the office this week and they go, we want to give you a raise. Are you going to go, man, look, I got so much. I got a money tree and a, and a faucet and a sink and it just makes money. Man, you're lying. I mean, I, I, I don't see people turn down money. And so here, as I look at it, it doesn't make us have control. It, it doesn't bring satisfaction and peace when we do that. Money holds out the allurement that we're in control. It's false. See, we always look to people that have prestige and power and position and finances. And those are all well and good, especially when they're in the control of Christ and the Lordship and they're about the kingdom of God. But they hold out the allure or good that they control. They're in, they're in control. And they're not. God is in control. No amount of money will produce unlimited freedom. Only a relationship satisfied, maturing relationship with Jesus Christ will bring you ultimate peace and joy and fulfillment. And so we can't buy love. We can't buy assurance of our salvation or assurance of faith. It's a gift of grace. And and there's a first thing. There's a passage. I want you to look there on the screen. It's from the 55th chapter of Isaiah. I love the book of Isaiah. He just has these incredible writings, and, and he begins to dig and speak into our lives. And, and he starts with the word, come. Come, all you who are thirsty. Come to the waters, and you will have money. Come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without cost. Why spend money on what is not bread and your labor on what does not satisfy? Okay, listen, listen to me and eat what is good and your soul will delight in the richest affair. And here's what Isaiah said, the prophet, my gracious invitation to you from the Lord is come, come to me. You have need of things. I am the source. I am the provider. It might look in the terms of the Air Force if you're in the military. It might look if you're in the state, it's the the state agency or whatever. And it might be your small business or your big business and that business. Or I work for the church of the church. No, ultimately the throne room, it all comes from the throne of heaven. Amen? That's where our paychecks come from. God owns it all. He owns all the cattle. He owns all the hills. But a lot of times we're like, I don't want to come. If you look at the word come in Hebrew... You will see the word hope, just H-O. And as it says that word, it implies that there is an important event about to happen. Take notice. Listen up. 
come to, is that me? Okay. If it gets bad, y'all give me another one. Anyway, so, so come to me. And as the Lord begins to speak to us, He gives us gracious invitation there. And I like what Proverbs 23.5 says. Cast but a glance at riches, and they are gone, for they will surely sprout wings, and they will fly off to the sky like an eagle. Oh, I took my wallet out of my pocket. I can't, can I have somebody's wallet? I'll give it back. Do you have anything in there? Ooh, you don't need any more? No. Okay. Wow, man, you had a good week. Okay, all right. Uh, <clears throat> see this right here? Wow, Barry's got a lot of fives, man. That's cool, brother. All right. <laughs> you know what my money does? Bye. It just flies. It, it sprouts wings like the Scripture says, and it just goes off. See, John and I are all about envelopes we learned from Larry Burkett years ago. And we have systems and we work them. So it's made us good money managers of, of the stewards that God has given us to steward over the money. But and, and when you spend cash, you feel it. Do you not? Somebody like, I don't know. I never have cash. But, but Don and I, so we operate with this cash thing. And sometimes my wallet looks a little bit like very, very pretty good looking in here. Okay, but, but there's some money in here, Okay. But what's amazing is you go out to lunch or you go do something and, you know, these things just start disappearing. And then a few more start disappearing and, and, and a few more. And, uh, and, and what happens? I mean, it, it just sprouts. It just goes. And you go, well, uh, here, here. It, I don't want to be tempted. Okay. But you just, uh, it leaves. Money has that power. And we go, but money will satisfy. Money won't satisfy. It'll, it'll fill your stomach for a little bit. But you know what I found about eating? We eat again. I mean, wouldn't it be cool if you sat down and had a big steak and you went, oh, I'm not going to eat again this week. Man, within a few hours, you're like, can we have dessert? Can we have, what are we have for dinner? You know, and you know, whatever. My wife, she's on this smoothie kick and, I, and the smoothies are really good. And sometimes I do that with her. I don't participate enough. She's very disciplined, but she goes, let's have a smoothie. And I tell you, man, bananas and fruit and yogurt and all that, I know you're going, Wow, we can't wait to come to your house. But it's really, in this season, it, it's incredible. It's refreshing. Watermelon. Yeah, you can have a watermelon too. But you, but you, <laughs> I couldn't pay her to say that. that. That was all. She's like, man, I want something to eat. You know, okay. So we, <laughs> thank you, sweetheart. Okay. So, so we cast but a glance. But let me just give you a quick thing. The word in the Greek, when Jesus Christ says he is Lord, it says he is kurios. Kurios means master. Uh, I was thinking about Jesus Christ being the hub, and he wants us to surrender, and he wants to be in control of our life. Do y'all remember, we did this when I was a kid, and I bet some of you did. We wanted our bicycles to make noise, because we didn't have motorcycles, so we wanted our bicycles to be bad. And we had those banana seats, and we'd ride the bicycles, whatever, and cheater slick tires, and whatever. And uh, so we would ride them. And every once in a while, somebody would come out with a card deck, uh, a card deck, a deck of cards. I knew I'd get it right in a minute. And we would put those cards and we'd get clothes pins and we would uh, fasten it to the spoke and you could hear it. <laughs> How many of you did that? Just go raise your hand. Wow, I'm in good company. And all the young kids are going, gee, y'all, I knew y'all created fun about that. Okay. Anyway, we, we would do that. And what I learned is if you did it too much, you put too many clothes pins and too many cards on the spokes, but it made a cool sound. The spokes would get a little weak and the spokes would fall out. And every once in a while, you'd be less a few spokes. But there's one thing about a bicycle tire. You can still ride a bicycle tire with a few spoke, a few less spokes and a full set of spokes. But you can't ride a bicycle tire without the hub, without the axle. 
Jesus Christ wants to be the axle, church. So you can make Jesus Christ the spoke in your wheel. And Jesus is just one of the things. And you give him a portion of your money. But Jesus says, I ain't settling for the spoke, Bubba. That's loose Greek. He says, I'm settling for the hub. I want to be the center of your life. I want to be Lord. Amen? How many of you can see that illustration now? Yeah, you're like, man, Christ wants to be the hub. He wants to be the centerpiece. He wants to be the governing control of my life. So God is the spoke. Number three. Some of us believe dead is no problem. Well, that's foolish. I mean, that's just a crazy statement. The American way is just ignore it, man. Just spin. But the truth is, if we go into debt and we don't pay back, it undermines our witness for Christ. Let me give you a verse from Psalm 37, 21. Write it down. The wicked borrow, but they do not repay. Now, don't think, don't hold a grudge right now like, man, I knew somebody owed me some money. I just thought of it. You write their name right across the top. But we all probably have people that owe us a debt. They borrowed something from us. They borrowed a book. They borrowed a tape. They borrowed our car. I hope they bring that back. They borrowed our money. And they didn't repay. And bankruptcy is on an all-time high in America. And bankruptcy shouldn't be a part of the Christian's life. You heard it right here, church. It might be legal, but we don't want to declare bankruptcy because it hurts other people. When we take services from other people, we need to pay them for what we enjoyed. See, I talk to business people all the time. They go, you know what? I could give a lot more people pay their bills. So you know I'm going to talk about this. No, it's just a good witness. I mean... If, if we if we use something, you know, right now they say that this year more there could be more bankruptcies than filing for divorces. Wow! So we've lived on money we didn't have. We believed that debt was okay. Proverbs twenty two seven. I think it's going to come up on the screen. The rich rule over the poor, and the borrower is servant to the lender. Now, I'm not saying you can't borrow. I mean, it's not that it's a sin to borrow. We borrowed money to build our church. I mean, I didn't have a million dollars in my pocket. And neither did the church. We raised a few hundred thousand dollars as an early church. Because we're an independent church, so we didn't have a denomination. And God was faithful to His members. And we raised several hundred thousand dollars, and we bought land. And we began to put a big down payment. But we still had to sign a note at the bank. And glory be to God, in 2013, if not sooner, it will go away. And that will be a happy, happy day. But you see, we still... so. And at your house, most of you probably have a car note. You have a house note. Very few people just pay their house off. I mean, I can't wait till we pay ours off. About 10 years and we will. But you know, you have a note and it's not a sin. It's just a sin not to pay people back. And you don't want to get so much bondage that you're, you're held by that. Um, I, I read this. $2.17 trillion consumer debt right now. $431 billion was cashed in on home equity in 2005 and still waiting for the studies of 06 and 07 to be in live. In other words, people have lived so far beyond their means, they've cashed out on home equity, so debt has become bondage. And some of you right now are going, where were you when I decided to make some of these moves that I made? I read this yesterday. There's one billion new credit cards issued every year in America. Wow. The average American has 12 to 16 credit cards. You're saying, well, man, I'm a good American. i got three. Don't ask me their limit. But no, no, okay, okay. okay. We, uh, and I read this. It says that the credit card debt is calculated as $8,562 per American, basically. 
So about $8,500 just over. We didn't have the money, but, man, we sure thought it would be cool, you know, so we'd go ahead and do it. So as people declare bankruptcy, uh, do you all remember a few years ago or last year or whenever, there was this big thing that came out, PlayStation 3. Remember when PlayStation 3 came out and everybody had to have one? And people would drive like four miles and they would stand in line until Jesus comes. And, 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 and they would say, I got to have that $600 PlayStation. And, and, and Georgia Tech students and Auburn students and Bama students and people, and they weren't just college students, it was moms and dads, and they got these for their kids because they wanted their kids to have the latest toy. But here's what's amazing about America. When I was being raised, and I still think it's this true, when we make a long-term investment, it's usually a piece of land or it's a home, right? You know what they tried to sell us as in marketing? They said, buy a long-term investment, buy the video game, PlayStation 3. Give me a crime break. When did the PlayStation become a long-term investment? You say, well, Pastor, my car is a long-term investment. I doubt it. I tell you what, whatever you paid for your car, especially if you bought it new, and you drove it off, you know how much it depreciated when you went by? It was just like Barry's wallet. That money just started going out. You're saying, but Pastor, it smells so good. I agree with you. I love to get in a new car. But is, is it prudent? Is it the smartest thing? I mean, I'm not trying to uh, sure tell you what to do. I'm just saying, God, can I afford what I'm driving? Can I afford what I'm living in? Because especially if I cheat you. And, and listen to this. Why don't we go into debt? Well, uh, we think it's going to answer our problems. There's one answer. His name is Jesus Christ. He shares his glory with no one. Uh, you know, we can buy a house, but it's not a home. It's the people and the love of God that make it a home. We can buy medicine, but it doesn't guarantee health. We can go and have uh, things that happen, amusement, but it doesn't bring happiness necessarily. I think relationships do. So next weekend, let me just say this real quick. I'm going to move on. Next weekend, I'm going to deal real practically with debt biblically. I invite you to invite all your friends to come next weekend, and we're going to have a weekend where we're going to be declaring freedom and try to help people understand this biblically, okay? It's going to be a good word from the Word of God. Number four, here's a reason that people give us the crash zone. I believe that I can't afford to give, so therefore I won't give. I used to give, but I got in financial trouble, so I figured, hey, God, you're the first, you know, you're God, and I'm not, so hey, I'm going to cheat you, God. Let me encourage you, make God the last one that you cheat. Go ahead and give to the Lord. Give to His work. Bring it to the local storehouse. It's a biblical thing. And, and you might say, well, Pastor, if I did that, I would have to change my spending habits. You're starting to get it now. Y'all are really smart. Because when you do begin to put the tithe at the top, it will reorientate the rest of your spending. You see, as I say this word, some of you right now, you're so mad at me, and I'm glad I can't see you for the lights in my face, because you're making ugly faces at me. And some of you are so happy right now, you're like, man, just preach it, brother, keep us to 1 o'clock, and you just keep bringing fire. Okay. But all I'm saying is, I want to see you free in Jesus Christ. And it's being a good steward of the resources that God has entrusted to you. But some people say, well, I'm just going to cut back on my giving. Disobedience to God's Word is always the wrong thing to do. Every time we go against God's Word or His principles, it's always the wrong thing to do. We need to align with His Word. Amos says, my Word is a plumb line for your life. Contractors, builders know about plumb lines. We need to know about plumb lines spiritually. So uh, there's a, a verse here. Look at it, Luke 6.38. Give and it will be given to you, a good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, and it will be poured into your lap. For the, the measure you use, it will be measured to you. God says, okay, you go first. You give. I've already given. I've given my love. I've given amazing grace. I've given my son. I've shed my blood. 
I've given, but I'm inviting you to give. And when you give, it's going to be shaken down and measured, and it's going to be an overflow. And when you give, God begins to give and bless. Now, this is not a name it and claim it thing. That's not, I don't believe that. But I'm saying we need to be faithful to the Scriptures of the Lord Jesus Christ. And when we're faithful to His Word, God gets involved. A lot of us have said, you know, that's why my finances, they're like a Sudoku or Sudoku. They're just like that puzzle. I never get the right numbers. It's because you've been starting with the wrong numbers. Then you've got to deal with the numbers you've got. You can't go, well, if I make this, I could give that to the church. Well, you know, but you don't make that. So why don't you do this and, and live here and drive that? Maybe you just got to, you know, Andy Stanley made a comment one time. I loved it. He says, you basically can drive any car you want to if you drive it old enough, if you get an old enough one. You know, I mean, you know, if you go, man, I'd really like to have a Jaguar. I'd really like to have this. Well, you know, if you get an old enough one, you can probably get one. Now, I'm not going to talk to you about your repair bills. They could be ridiculous. But, you know, just think about that for a minute. You know, just delayed gratification. Nobody likes to hear that word, especially teenagers. Like, delay? I ain't delaying nothing. Well, I know. That's what got you in trouble. And that's what might be getting us in trouble because we're not delaying. We're not trusting Christ. So we can't afford to miss out on the blessings of God. Uh, here, I'll just give you a couple things real quick. Why can't I give? Write this down. Why can't I give? Poor decisions. Number two, maybe I'm too materialistic. Maybe I'm obsessed with the goods and the deeds and the things of this world. Three, maybe I'm choosing to drive God's tithe, and that's why I'm not doing, doing the blessing of God's word, because I'm thinking I need to drive this car. And God says, well, you know, you can afford this car, and you can be faithful. Uh, and let me give you the one. I started not to give this one, but this is so true in this day and age. There is a place, and, and, and I'm all about it. People go there. You know, I, mean, I don't go there. I don't drink coffee. I mean, I'm scared to drink coffee. I'm afraid if I do, I'm just going to, you know, wow, man, a pastor, hey, hey, what's going on? You know, our, our road warrior, Robbie Robinson, I would make him look calm. And that's a little bit scary if you know Robbie. Okay. But just a thought. If you didn't go to Starbucks as much, your giving might be a little better. Just a thought. I was just thinking about it. I mean, here's the one I'm finding interesting. I go by Starbucks, and it's 115 degrees. Whole pasta, the latte. I mean, that's like when I see people smoking, and I see all that heat rising up their nose and, and out there, and there's this vapor. I'm like, you're having fun? I know you're addicted, but, man, I'm praying you'll get freedom. And so anyway, just a thought. Okay. I'm not slamming Starbucks, so don't say, Pastor, you don't enjoy the finer things of life. Oh, yes, I do, too. And we'll talk about that another Sunday. Okay, but but it's not Starbucks. Okay, uh, <clears throat> all right, so nobody's going to invite me to Starbucks. Okay, uh, but I think they have, like, fruit, berry, smoothie, something, and I drink that with you all day. Okay, uh, let me just give you the passage. It's Malachi 3, and the Lord says, prove me, test me, put me first, and I'll do something. That's where your treasure will be. I just know this. You can't afford not to give. You make too much and you make too little Put Jesus Christ in the center of your finances. Fifth thing, believing it's all my money and I can do with it what I want. It's my money. I earned it. I sweated. I had the ideas. I did all that. Where do you think the ideas came from? Where do you think the ability to go out and work and earn a job or to earn a salary or to get a job came from? It came from the throne room of heaven. God gives good gifts. All good gifts come from above, says the Word of God. So we acquire stuff, we insure stuff, we hang on to stuff, we wash stuff, we polish stuff, we put it in vaults, we do put it in the garage. But here, here's the thing that always gets me. But when we die, guess what? Somebody else gets our stuff. And they're probably not going to take near as good a care of it as you did. So sometimes we just get wrapped up in our stuff. Uh, Genesis 1-1, just look there. 
It says there, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. In the first place, it all comes from Him. He's the creator. He's the sustainer. And then 128 says, God blessed them and He said, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth, subdue it, rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air and over every living creature that moves on the ground. And he get, He's given mankind the opportunity to rule and to have things under us. And He's given us all these incredible freedoms, but sometimes we just get obsessed with our rule. And we need the rule of Christ. We need Christ to be the hub. Uh, the ownership, write this down. The ownership role starts and ends with God. If we can begin to get a grasp on that one truth this morning, there could be some freedom in the house today. So uh, you're saying, well, I sweated for this. I worked for this. You did work for that, but God's got a higher way for you here. I was reading a passage in Psalm 49, verse 16 and 17 that says, Do not be overawed when a man grows rich, when the splendor of his house increases, for he will take nothing with him. You're saying, well, my friend has a better house. They have a better car. They have a better pool. They have a better whatever. They have a better guitar. They have a better, you know, uh, iPod. Man, they have every color for every day of the week. Man, that's not fair. I don't even have one. Okay. But they're not going to take it with them. Okay. And then First Chronicles, there, there's a passage. Look on the screen. I love this because this declares ownership. Yours, O oh Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the majesty and the splendor for everything in heaven and earth is yours, O oh Lord. For yours is the kingdom. You're exalted over all King Jesus. That is the Word of God for this day. Jesus is Lord. He's hub or He spoke. You've got to make your choice. Is he the hub? Or is he just going to be a spoke in my life? Make him the hub today. 